This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight, and down the line today I am with uh, Māori Party co-leader Marama Fox. Marama, good morning. Hey, good morning. Nice to speak with you. This is a bit of a novel idea. Yeah, it's not too bad. And Marama's actually uh, at the, what are you, at Auckland Airport at the moment? Um, I'm at the airport on my way back to the Bay. I was here talking uh, Auckland University students, uh, Te Huinga Tawira, or the Māori University students. And uh, then I had a, a meeting um, to try and advance some work I'm doing around tobacco control. And now I'm back at the airport, back to the bay. I've got a meeting in Marainui in about, oh, as soon as I land, about housing, social housing, and trying to get more houses up on those empty, vacant lots from where all the old state houses got pulled down. So, busy day. Oh, fantastic. And Marama, just to, just to give listeners a little bit of a, an idea about, about who you are and, um, and, and your background, um, how, how did you start out? In life, uh, well, I guess, rather than politics. Life. Well, when I was born, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, I grew up in Christchurch and um, I was one of three Māori students in my school. Uh, the other two were my sisters, 600 girls, uh, 600 students and so on and so on. Sort of, I always noticed injustice, wasn't always sure why or how things m- felt offensive to me, but I wasn't sure why and I didn't know the answers. And then I went to Kohangareo with my son. I was a teenage mum at 18. And all of a sudden, I learned so much more through Mātauranga Māori, through the Māori language as a vehicle. I learned about our New Zealand history. I learned about uh, treaty grievances and why we have this process and so on and so on. So I think if you're Māori, you're always political, whether that's Capital P politics or little p politics uh, depends on your job and who pays. <coughs> mm. <coughs> and uh, what me. what made you want to get into politics, Marawa? Um, well, I mean, that's the thing. We, we're always political. I'm always looking at issues of social injustice and have worked in my community forever um, and followed the, the Māori parties. Um, me and my mate set up the Master of Māori Party branch back in the day, 2004. Um, and so Tariana had seen me speak at a couple of events and she asked me first time two elections ago, <laughs> uh, two elections before 2014, so that would have been 2011-2009. Yeah, so she asked me then, right, but I was pregnant. And then she asked me again in 2011 and I was pregnant again. And <laughs> so in, I'm not even joking, 2014, Tudor rang me and I wasn't pregnant and I didn't plan on having any more babies. So <laughs> I said, yep, time's right, let's go. <laughs> oh, fair enough. And actually, I, I'm glad you brought up um, Tiriana Tiria because uh, the Māori Party was founded by um, real, I, I think, titans of New Zealand politics between um, right. Tiriana Tiria and, and Peter Sharples, um, bo- both of who departed about that 2013-2014 um, mark. I mean, how do you how do you continue or, or regrow the party after these two titans of politics left or retired? Oh, well, see, here's the thing is like um, the Māori Party had 
dwindling support since being with the national government. And and I don't understand the reasons why, because they did such amazing, amazing things that no one ever believed could be accomplished. And I actually believe that John Key's legacy was not the failed flag refer- referendum, and it was not the failed Kermadec's uh, ocean bid, which we might have put a little stop to, not forever, and it's sort of sat on a shelf since then, but... Um, uh, because he brought the Māori Party to the seat of government. Mm-hmm. And we, I believe, this party has changed the way we do politics in the world. But it's the kaupapa is bigger than the people. I mean, there was Hone, there was um, Rahui Kātane, uh, Tūrero Flavel, and these two. But our constitution was written by Whaturangi Winiata, one of the greatest minds of Māoridom, um, supported by, you know, the likes of Moana Jackson, Annette Sykes, all of them there. So actually... It was a movement of people who said enough is enough. And so what we do now and how we've evolved is we try and find the place for the Māori voice inside every piece of legislation, every single piece. We go over every piece. If we don't like it, we go back to the minister and say, can we change this and that? And if we can't, can we um, uh, agree to disagree and vote against it? And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And just just for for, for Maori and non Maori who will be listening to the to this, why is it so important? And and I don't mean this as, as a stupid question, but why is it so no, no, important it. that um, that Maori have that voice? Why is it so important that we have the Maori perspective in every piece of legislation? Uh, because we have the Maori have been disenfranchised through um, this government systems, not just this government, but successive governments, and I've said it over and again, and people don't like it when I say it, but red undies, blue undies, it's the same skid marks. You know, (laughs) mighty people sit at the bottom of disparity in this country in an inequitable position, and I hear people talk about we need to get back to our egalitarian society. I don't know what dream world they were living in, but Māori have never lived in an egalitarian society in this country, not since they were legislated against in the 1860s. And that carried on and continued literal cultural genocide exists in this country, confiscation of land, um, just uh, executions of our people without trial, um, being imprisoned without trial for over 20 years, put into shackles and street gangs to build roads in, in Dunedin. And nobody knows. Nobody knows that. And so we are where we are because of the systems of government and law that have been in place in this country for 150 years. We're not doing so well. Mm. So surely we can do better, and we believe we can, we believe we have the answers, and the answers come from a Māori knowledge base and a difference of practice. Mm. The the Victorian model of uh, education, the Victorian model of Westminster politics are not the only models in the world, and not always the best. Mm. And would you say that the, the Māori party, is it, a Mo- is, it, is it a party of Māori people or a party of Māori values? Um, it's a party of Māori values. I think that's a really key point. Um, good on you for bringing that up. Oh, we thank call you. Ourselves, <laughs> we've gone from the party of protest to the party of progress. We want to um, be recognised as value-add to this nation. Learning to do Māori is not a deficit. It's not going to hurt you. It will add value to your life. It will add value to your knowledge, your worldview, and your perspectives about things. Having a Māori model of practice um, to govern a court system or to run SIFs or a prison or anything is um, not a deficit. It's added value to our nation because, oh my gosh, it might just work. In fact, it is. Everywhere we have Māori models of practice, we um, start to 
um, correct the disparity in health, uh, in um, recidivism, uh, in business practices. Like you go overseas to uh, China with a New Zealand delegation and they love the Māori story, love it. You know, and you tell them you can't buy our land, but you can lease it and do some stuff <laughs> in the best that way. And they go, all right then. They don't want to come here and just buy the land out from under under us. They they don't sell their own land, so they recognise and understand that. So what they want to try and do is benefit from the products that they make on our land, and so would they invest in a different way. We'll moving away from the bus. Yeah, yeah, we'll just wait for that bus to pass. And yeah. what is a, a, the Māori model of practice? How does that differ from the Victorian or European model? Like, what, what's the differences? Um, it's holistic and inclusive. Mm-hmm. And is Pretty that the, simple, really. And is that the same with, um, I'm a big fan of governance, and there are so many um, episodes on this podcast where I talk about governance. What's the difference between um, iwi or Māori governance and, and the usual more, system or the European system? I think it's system? more collaborative. Mm-hmm. I think the iwi model of governance is collaborative process. It's not, and, and if you go to any board meeting, don't you have to collaborate? If you run a business, don't you have to collaborate? Why then do we have a Westminster model of politics where we yell at each other and pull each other down, try and catch each other out in order to prove our point? I mean, it makes no sense. If we collaboratively come up with a 100-year plan that looks at our, our resources that we have today and say if we want those resources to be managed in their pristine state for our grandchildren's grandchildren so that they actually inherit something from us, from our hard work, that is not a dirty, um, swollen river or E. coli in our town from the artesian well that it comes from, uh, then... We need to make better decisions about how we manage the resources and we need to do it collaboratively. I mean, we already know that Auckland is a growing mass. 26,000 net migration into Auckland every year. They are going to need to build another state highway right through the middle of Auckland and or improve the um, the public transport. So in order to do that, we're going to have to buy whole swathes of houses, knock them down to get something done. But we can't, we have to make those decisions now and we have to plan for it over the next 20, 30, 40 years. A hundred year plan that looks at how we're going to grow, anticipates that and starts us on the step towards it. Mm, and the one thing I will say about, about Māori politics or Māori governance that, I, that I've sort of experienced is that it does look at that more intergenerational perspective. You know, you're planning for 100 years. I've, I've never right. seen any, any other company on the stock exchange ever plan for 100 years. They're planning for three years. <laughs> yeah, I know, because they only plan in three-year election cycles. I mean, what a bloody waste of time that is. Because then all you do every three years is try and um, buy someone's vote. I mean, be more forward-thinking than that. Our, our ancestors built this nation, and um, Māori added to the value of the building of this nation through their sweat and tears. In fact, we were very good entrepreneurs. When we had our own land, when it was sat in our hands, we exported wool. We exported flax for, for rope to England. I had an ancestor who, um, who raced racehorses. We had our own parliament. We had our own banks. We had our own system of money, and it was subsequently stripped away by legislation in this country with the sole purpose of making Māori subservient. 
Mm. That's what it did. That's why they wanted it. I mean, the Native Schools Act said that the time has come to decide whether to exterminate the natives or to civilise them. And if we are to civilise them, we need to do so through a language that's more conducive to human thought. And thereby, that stayed in place for 100 years, and they added it to it by saying, uh, you're not academically capable of these subjects, so we're going to teach you labouring, cooking, cleaning, and nursemaiding. And that's not nursing, that's cleaning up after nurses, by law. <laughs> that is... It is social engineering to ensure that when they had a servant community to support who? The entitled privileged colonies? I mean, they say that of us now, mm. doesn't it? It's just ridiculous. And how much so of that do you think? I know we've shifted on and it's not about blame. It's just about understanding. Well, let me So that if we want real equity, well, we've given up more than we should have been asked to give up. Mm. And we're not asking for more than um, than is necessary to overcome that inequity. Let me ask you a question, Marabo, if I may. Um, I, the, I, I was asking before about whether the Māori Party is a, is a party of, of um, ethnic Māoris or of Māori values, and, and, and that sort of leads into, um, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Euro, European guy. Is it okay for me to vote for the Māori Party? Like, is it, Hell yes. We want to be the party of choice for this whole nation because they recognise that our voice is unifying, not separatism. It's not segregation. Just because we want to do Māori schools doesn't mean you can't go there. Mm. And do you know how cool it is when you go there? Do you know that divergent thinking is a natural attribute of every child? And what we do under a Victorian model of education, and we used to strap us into doing it, that was, you know, caned mm -hmm. into oppression, caned to suppress anything that didn't look like what we want you to look like, which was children should be heard and not, uh, should be seen and not heard. So we confine people's thinking by making them right between the lines and learn how to do it one way and not another way. But in a kura, at the same time as you're doing Pythagoras, you're singing, you're doing a haka, you're talking to your friends, you're lying on the floor, or you're not. You gather information from all parts of you at the same time, you and they operate all at the same time. And our kids coming out of Māori medium education are natural, divergent thinkers who are blowing their world. They seriously are. You see those young people who are fluent Māori, proud of themselves, know their history, know our combined joint New Zealand history, and they're off at university caning it, absolutely caning it. They're doing so well. I'm so proud of our future. I can't wait. We're raising a brightness of hope. It's good. Fantastic. And I was, uh, I'm glad you brought up Waiata because I was hoping that later on you might give us a bit of a tune because I, uh, I've, I've seen some of your stuff. Luck. Well, what I was thinking is that if, uh, if you did, that I could record over it as well. We could do a bit of a duet and uh, try and oh, sell it. Oh, you like to, to sing. Oh, well, I actually did one of my degrees in opera singing. So I thought, you know. Beautiful. We, well, we could record something, uh, sell it and raise some you funds know, for I the Māori Party. I for three years. Oh, did you? Uh, but I, in Christchurch, I learned the violin for three years, but I pretty much wagged all my violin lessons. <laughs> um, but I I used to wag my violin lessons and go and hide out in the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra um, rehearsal room and uh, at the same space they had the Southern Ballet Company rehearsing. I love me some opera and classical music and all of that flash stuff. Oh, fantastic. Wait, do you, does the Māori Party support funding of, of these art forms? Um, I think that the Māori Party would prefer equitable funding of Māori art forms alongside the NZSO who get $14 million because kapahaka te matatini gets two. And uh, kapahaka, if you think about it in this country, every school has a kapahaka group 
every um, school who has a kapahaka group uh, has parents that come along. So how many kids are doing that? How many parents are involved? Multiply that up to the regional uh, competition, to the national competition for primary, secondary and seniors. Two million people tune in online to watch kapahaka. Do you get that much pull from the NZSO? No. I, 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 no. actually, I was actually at the NCDSO on, uh, on Saturday night, and I, I tell you, uh, you, you definitely don't. Even um, uh, legislation, I didn't mean us to get into this, um, in, into this discussion, but we'll go there anyway, <laughs> because I, I used to work for um, one of the amenities as part of the Auckland Regional Amenities um, Funding Act, the ARAFA, which, uh, which funds most of the arts and culture in Auckland, um, yeah. and none of them are Māori art forms. That's right, and it's, it's cultural elitism is what it is. People would say that this, um, well, I had this conversation with the Prime Minister, former Prime Minister, John Key, and I said, it's just inequitable. And he goes, oh, but you wouldn't want to lose your volunteer community who help run these big events, Marama. And I said, do you think when you go to the NZSO that the person who helps you to their debt to your seat is, is doing that for nothing? What about the person who takes your ticket when you come through the door? You think they're volunteering? Of course they're not. What about the seamstress who's sewing all the costumes? They're not volunteering. How many hours and hours and hours of work do you think goes into kapahaka to perform at the top level? People have no idea how insane that life is and making their pew-pew, making their costumes, mm-hmm. making their taiha and performing. It's, it's cultural elitism. That's exactly what it is. We think we give money to these arts because they are seen as having more value. Mm-hmm. But if you think about kapahaka, how much value has that added to our nation and how unifying is it because of it that we have little kids in schools across the country singing poor karekareana and whatever else mm. and mehe manudere and it just, they beam with pride when they do it and I love to watch them. doesn't matter what culture they are. I've watched all Chinese, Pakia, um, black boys, like straight out of Africa boys <laughs> doing kapahaka and they love it. They love it. Mm. It's value add to yourself as a person. Yeah, and even uh, not not just in terms of our image as a country, but I was um, my, my school Dilworth. I've just got through to the the, the premium. Um, I don't know what you call it, but the top league of um, Kapahaka, and I went along and, and watched some of it. And there were about maybe twenty to thirty uh, boys, primarily Maori, and they were doing a yep. haka about suicide, and, the, and they were getting right. so and they were getting so emotional about it, and, and they um, wrote it. Had they? I didn't didn't realise they'd written it. Well, this is the thing, is that these kids, they're writing their own stuff, they're performing their own music, they get it, and this is their platform to express it. We used to say to John Key, man, if you want to know what the Māori pulse on politics is, go to Kapahaka, because that's what they do. We sing about it, we chant about it, we haka about it. In fact, John Key's name was mentioned very often in 2014. <laughs> what, <laughs> during, within the hackers? Well, I did say to him, gee, you were mentioned a lot in the Matatini. He goes, was I? <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> classic. Well, let, let's just quickly um, jump over to um, priorities and policies. Um, yes. I, I, as we mentioned at the start, we're really keen um, to hear your top three priorities for the Māori Party or the Māori Party's top three priorities and what those directly mean for New Zealand's young professionals, both Māori and not Māori. Uh, well, I mean, we're always going to be looking at the things that are, are of disparity because they affect um, our people more. Uh, and so homelessness 
and the housing crisis is absolutely a top priority for us. And we don't get to tell the government what to do, but we do get to have the conversations and hopefully influence them. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And obviously for, for housing comes behind it, the backstory is the infrastructure, the city planning, the civil engineering, all of the all of the issues that we need to overcome to continue to make ourselves a productive, well-connected little society where everybody has a home, not a car, and where everybody flourishes, right? So that's number one. Number two, um, I think for, the, for us, uh, mighty economic development is right up there, utilising the tūre whenua to utilise your land holding and your land asset. But also, again, infrastructure comes in because if you're making manuka honey or manuka oil up on the east coast and um, you have negative fiscal motivation to get it out because it costs as much to get out as it does that you'll earn off it, then, um, then that's a waste of time. So we need rail, we need a wharf, we need all sorts of things. Anyway, so... Um, uh, Māori economic development and then the associated bits that need to be in place in order to make it flourish. And I think the last one on a cultural level um, is more Māori models of practice across the entire system. We literally want the government to give us a billion dollars and we'll keep people out of prison. Give us a billion dollars and we'll run your SIFS operation because those are our kids and we love them. 63% of the kids in SIFS are Māori, 71% of the youth in prison are Māori, the system is screwed and it is unjust. It's just, I don't want to have an argument about why it is, it is. anybody can go and have a look at the, the data and the evidence. And, no, I'm not going to um, argue with you. Yeah, right. And so we need to fix that. So there is one way we can do that, it's through more Māori models of practice. We want a bigger slice of the government spend and we will work with you government with these government departments to ensure we stop in its tracks um, the injustice of these things and make sure it never repeats itself again. So, I mean, that's a top priority, but we walk into a coalition agreement with any new government and we hold the balance of power, which, you know, is a long shot, but we're working towards it. I but think it's, a, it's, do, it's more likely than you're giving yourself credit for at the moment. Yeah, well, I think... We, um, we take credit for everything they do that's good and we let them have the rest. But, um, but <laughs> I'd make Te Reo Māori compulsory in schools and people don't like it when you say that, they get their backs up. But actually the Māori language is the window to the Māori world and um, it's also the understanding. If we grow understanding of our culture in this land, because I know all about the Pākehā culture, if we grow understanding in this land of our culture through the vehicle of Māori language, we will remove disparity because we will smash institutionalised racism because every child will grow up with a, a, an understanding and a respect uh, for Mātauranga Māori models of practice and, um, and they will be the ones who take over our world. Mm. And I believe when that happens, there'll be less prejudice in the system. Awesome. So I just want to quickly run through those three priorities uh, and try and summarise why they are important for, for New Zealand's young professionals. So the first on um, homelessness and housing, I can imagine that that's incredibly important for any NZ young professionals who um, their, their parents might be struggling. Maybe they've got large families and they don't have the income to, to necessarily support them. So by supporting them with housing, uh, it means that New Zealand's young professionals can, can who are in that situation can focus uh, on, on building their careers or, or, or studying full-time or, or something along those lines. Um, 
in terms of Māori economic development, when we when we develop uh, the Māori economy, it means that uh, we've got got strong infrastructure typically because Tainui, for example, are investing in uh, in hotels and and typically iwi do invest in right. infrastructure, so we've got stronger infrastructure there. And then in terms of Māori models of practice, uh, in terms of young professionals, again, you're probably looking at more of a long term uh, vision for the economy. That's right. Long-term vision for the society. I, I'm sort of over us talking about ourselves in terms of dollars and cents. We we went. We used to be called a society, and now we're called an economy, and everything has to balance. And I get that. We do need to keep an eye on the books and make sure we budget. Every mother in the household gets that. But actually, we don't measure our, our success in terms of how much we have in Māori culture. It's measured by how much we give. You know, you couldn't walk down um, any street and find our chief. His house would not be the flashes, monumental palace on the block, um, but he is known by everybody because of how much he gives and how he pulls mm. the people together and the respect that comes from that. So actually, um, that give us a billion dollars is about ensuring we just balance the inequity that currently exists um, and address those through our own, through valuing our own knowledge, our own mātauranga Māori. Mm, mm. And uh, look, I know you've got a flight in about quarter of an hour, so I've just got to quickly. Um, oh my gosh! In quarter of an hour, what time is it? It's it's uh, just before quarter to f- uh, quarter past four. Oh my gosh! They might be boarding. Oh wait. Okay, we're going to quickly, just while you're running through the airport, uh, we've got a game of fortune wheel here because I'm sick of dirty politics and so we're, uh, we've got all of the political parties on this wheel and when it hits uh, one of them, I want you to say something nice or something you like about that party, something you like about one of its MPs. Okay, cool. Uh, Labour Party, something you like about them or someone you admire in that party. Um, there are a couple of people I really admire in the Labour Party. One is Louisa Wall, who just quietly gets on and does stuff, gets things done. Um, and she works across the house mm-hmm. with anybody to make sure that can happen. She's been on the uh, Women's Parliamentary um, Caucus for a long time. she would got the, uh, the marriage law reform bill. Um, but she's constantly looking for solutions not looking to pull people down. Mm. And I've got two quick questions before you have to board the flight. The first is, uh, there's, there's, pretend there's uh, a young woman driving along the motorway listening to this, a guy in a gym, and he's thinking, why should I vote for the Māori Party? What would you say to him or her? Uh, what was your question? Why should someone vote for the Māori Party? Uh, because we're value-add to this nation, that if we can see ourselves and correct the disparity... Um, then that has got to be improvement for everybody. And we need to have a different perspective uh, to what currently is being offered because while some people are doing very well, there's a whole group of people being left behind and we can help correct that. And the last question is, pretend that you're, a, uh, you're at a family barbecue and your, your eight-year-old nephew comes up to you and he says, Auntie, why do you do what you do? How do you, how do you say, uh, oh, say to your nephew? No, no, I got it. We do what we do because we love who we love. That's what we do. Everybody does. Every single person just does what they do because they love who they love. Mm. And just, I've, I've got to ask this last question. What is your big vision for New Zealand? My big vision for New Zealand? Um, remove disparity, grow in unity, be bilingual and um, plan for our future. Mm. Marama Fox, thank you for your time. Thank you. See ya. Good luck getting your flight too. Thanks for listening to the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight. Uh, You can reach me personally. My email is ed 
at edmcknight.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, uh, stay tuned. We'll be interviewing every other leader of uh, the New Zealand political parties in Parliament. Plus, we will also hear from the Opportunities Party led by Gareth Morgan. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe in your favourite podcast listening app or give us a like on Facebook. We are NZ Young Professionals Podcast or our website is nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. Until next time. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.